0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Uh, Okay, we're reading from Matthew chapter 5, uh, 17 to 20. Uh, NIV, if you're playing at home. Uh, All right, let's go. Uh, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell, tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments... And teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Josh.
0: Good morning again. Good morning. Excellent. Um, I've got something to uh, share with you guys. Something something I'm very excited about. A new uh, Bible product that we've come up with. That I want to call the Nick Convenient Version. So the NCV, <laughs> not the Nick Version Revised, which is the other one NVR. But NCV. It's convenient. It fits in your pocket. Like how handy is that? So you can just go out and oh, Bible. <laughs> and uh, oh, the phones is all, can also fit in your pocket. That's convenient. But what, what really makes this convenient is that only the books we actually read are in here. <laughs> so it's got Genesis 1 to 3 and for some 1 to a 12. And then it gets a bit fuzzy after that. It's got some of the Psalms, but only the happy ones some of the proverbs are in there so they're they're handy and then then the new testament and by new testament i mean uh, bits of matthew john <laughs> beginning of acts and that's it and like how convenient is that <laughs> it's actually a real bible i don't want to i look, obviously i'm joking i hope you're aware i'm joking <laughs> but it raises i tell this story sell this product it, it asks us the question is, what is our attitude to the Bible? How do we approach what the Bible has to say? How 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 do we relate to biblical authority and what God's Word says? How do we pick and choose what we read and what we submit to? And this is, it's a ridiculous concept, and yet that is the attitude of so many Christians and churches and even scholars around the world uh, of disregarding large portions of the Bible. Like the Old Testament, what's the deal with that? Is it even necessary? Is it, you know, the Old Testament's redundant, even, even immoral in parts? We don't need that. Surely we only need Jesus. Like, just trust in Jesus and let us get on with our lives. The question at the heart of our passage today is, what is Jesus' attitude to Scripture, to all of Scripture? And then what is ours? And so where we're heading today is, is we're talking about Christ and the law, and then the Christian and the law. Now, where we're up to, we're in this series called Transforming Discipleship. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first public sermon in Matthew's Gospel. And um, up to this point, he's he's kind of redefined and and challenged some, some thinking. Uh, you know, when he first appeared, he said, repent and believe the kingdom is near. So this context of, so to enter the kingdom is no longer adhering to law, but repenting and believing that's new and then he talks about who is blessed in the kingdom of god it's not those who keep and keep the law to the fullest extent but those who are lowly and mourning and poor and hungry and so it's not surprising that that probably people listening are forming the question of what what does jesus think about the old testament is jesus getting like is he undermining and getting rid of the Old Testament. Is he redefining all the Jewish heritage that we, we've been taught and we live by? And Jesus anticipates that thinking. He, he begins this part saying, do not think. And when Jesus says, do not think, it's probably because people are thinking that. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law. But he's come to fulfill it. Jesus, in these, in these few short verses, uh, makes it very clear, very clear what his stance on the law and the prophets is. And he makes it makes very clear what the sense of those who've been transformed, his disciples, what that should be. So the first thing to look at, Christ and the law. Uh, when I was working at Duralik, a skincare manufacturer, I was working in the filling and packing line. I was engineer helping out with um, designing and, and maintaining and fixing and, and training and use of equipment. And there was one um, piece of equipment, a, an inspection camera, that was a particularly problematic. And that was my project. That was my thing. And and um, and it was causing a lot of problems like uh, rejecting all the wrong um, defects and, it will, it, you know, the defect will come along and will direct the, a good one and, and all these problems. And so there was a, a stage one time I was going down, I'd, I'd taken it off the equipment and I was tinkering on the inside and doing some programming stuff and just the normal engineering things. And one of the operators came and he said, oh, you're finally getting rid of that piece of machinery. I said, no, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm fixing it. I'm not getting rid of it. I'm fixing it. And this is kind of the response Jesus says. Jesus says to those who are saying, oh, are you getting rid of the law? He says, no, I'm not abolishing the law. I'm fulfilling it. The law and the prophets, I'm fulfilling it. Now, just a couple of quick clarifications. What does Jesus mean by these things? The law and the prophets. Now, the law in in Jewish thought in the in in the time that Jesus was around that was ref- that would refer to not just the law as in the 10 commandments but the law as a, as in the pentateuch the first 5 books of the bible and the prophets doesn't necessarily uh, refer to the specific prophets and their prophecy but it refers to the prophetic writings and the the Jews had uh, would refer to the former prophets and the later prophets. The former prophets being the history. So, like Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, and all the historical books. And then, and also the later prophets are the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, all of those prophetic writings. And so, the law and the prophets is effectively shorthand to say the entire Old Testament. So, when we read law and prophets, we think the entire whole Old Testament. And Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish, but I've come to fulfill. Now, what does fulfill mean? Does it mean he's come to fix it? It was broken. Now he's coming to fix it. Does it mean that he's come to fulfill the prophecy? There was something prophesied and he's fulfilling it. Does it mean to satisfy the requirements? Does it mean to bring it to completion? Does it mean to teach and unpack and demonstrate the true meaning behind that? There's a lot of discussion and debate on this, and... uh, in, in my reading, I um, uh, read John Stott's commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. I haven't read John Stott for a while, but um, I'm in debt to his insight. Um, uh, what, a, what a man of God and, and, and a gift to the church. But he, um, he asked the question, Is if, if something's being fulfilled, well, what's actually there that needs to be fulfilled? And so what, what does the Law and Prophets contain? The first thing is doctrinal teaching. The law and the prophets, the Old Testament teaches us about God. It reveals to us God's character, what He likes, what He is like, what offends Him, what pleases Him, uh, what's he, what is He able to do. The Old Testament shows us, who God is it gives us doctrinal teaching. The next thing, it also gives us uh, ethical precepts, instructions of how to live, how to relate to other people, how to behave in, uh, in, in society. Uh, instructions and rules and commands it gives us religious precepts, religious uh, instructions, instructions of how to pay for sin, how to uh, make ourselves right with God again. It also has predictive prophecy. Uh, talks of, of, of someone who would come to once and for all restore the kingdom of God. Someone who'd come to once and for all uh, make the relationship between humanity and God right again. Restore it. Uh, there's, there's, there's predictive prophecy. Now, Jesus has come and he's come to, he hasn't come to abolish all that. He's come to fulfill that, and he fulfills the doctrinal teaching. Jesus is the very person of God. He reveals God's character. He v- reveals God. He is God among people. He, uh, he fulfills the ethical precepts. He, the, he fulfills the laws and commands. Not only does he keep them, but he also uh, teaches them, and, ex- and we'll talk about this in a bit, but unpacks what it means to truly follow God's law. He fulfills the religious requirements. What, what the, in the Old Testament, what was needed to atone for sin, to make, to make um, guilt and shame go away, was sacrifice. And it was a very extensive sacrificial system in the Old Testament. And praise Jesus that He fulfills that requirement. Otherwise, church would be a whole lot messier. And he also fulfills a predictive prophecy. The Old Testament prophesies a Messiah who would come, the great King of Israel, the King of the whole world, who would once and for all make all things right. Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Old Testament. He, doesn't, he hasn't come to abolish it. He's come to fulfill it. And then in the very next verse, in 18, he escalates uh, the, the, the agenda here. He says, not even, uh, yeah, I tell you the truth, not until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen. In other translations, not a dot or iota. And the words he uses there refers to the smallest uh, piece of writing, like a comma or, or a full stop, the smallest bit, the dot on top of an I, the smallest bit, not even the smallest bit. Would be removed from the law and the prophets until it is all accomplished. That all of it is relevant and necessary. Until all prophecy is fulfilled. Until all the laws are kept. Until all relationships are restored. Until God is revealed in His fullness until it is all accomplished, all comes to completion, the law will not pass away. It will not become irrelevant. It's needed and necessary. What Jesus is saying is, I think, very clear. The Old Testament is essential to Christian faith. We, we can't understand the Old Testament without Jesus because Jesus is fulfillment. But at the same time, we can't understand Jesus without the Old Testament. I've shared before; it's it's like a a whodunit novel or, or a mystery novel. You don't skip to the end and you find out, oh yeah, it was it was the butler with the with the candlestick. But they're like, well, what did he do? What has Jesus come to do? We discover that through the story of the whole Bible, uh, and then we look forward to its completion with what what the New Testament and what the Bible reveals for us. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. That is Christ and the law. That's how Jesus relates to the law and the prophets. How does the Christian, how does a disciple of Jesus? So the, the second half, the Christian and the law. The next verse, verse 19, Jesus says, anyone who breaks even one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches or keeps these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. There's two options, two responses to God's law. We can keep and uphold and teach, or we can relax or loosen. And I find it really challenging because. Um, Jesus doesn't say disobey. He says, like, the word is literally loosen or, or have a loose grip, relax, be relaxed with the law. It's all right. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's reigning in its authority over our lives. We know, we know God's law and we know it's good as Christians to follow, but only as far as convenient for us, only as far as everyone else is aware and can see, but when we're by ourselves, alone, only as far as what we can keep up with and do, but in our hearts, it's a different story. Now, wh- this, is, this is harsh stuff to say, Jesus, uh, whoever keeps, practices, teaches the commands we call great in the kingdom of heaven. And the obvious question is, well, well, Nick, what about all those crazy laws in like, Leviticus about wearing a, a, sh- a shirt made of two different materials? Because I'm probably uh, disobeying that now. Right, what about all those crazy laws? Like, do we have to keep them and and can't we relax on those kind of things? Well, it's important to understand the Old Testament, understand the law. Um, Not just blindly follow them and not just blindly ignore them, but it's it's important for followers of Jesus to, to study His Word. To study and understand it. And so to speak about law, there's there's probably three main types of law in the Old Testament. There's religious law, which is which is what is required to be made right with God. And in that is is doing sacrifices, and that requires the shedding of blood to atone for sin, to, to bring forgiveness for sin. Uh, there's religious law that was that's required and and very clear, particularly Leviticus. Uh, and then the Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, lots of religious law. There's also civil law. So for the Israelite people, civil law that instructs them how to exist as the people of God, uh, as the nation of Israel, as they enter into their land, and then as they live in their land. So how do they exist as the people of God? How to live as an Israelite, civil law. And, and examples of that is uh, is like wearing a shirt of um, uh, multiple, um, yeah, multiple material or uh, tattoos and things like that. The, the The reason for those laws was to make sure that Israelites were holy, set apart for God, distinct from other nations. There were civil laws. Uh, there was also moral laws. Laws that were inherently defining what is right and what is wrong. What is an offence to God? What is an offence to other people? And what what is what is good and true and right? And probably the, the best known example of that is the Ten Commandments. It is evil to murder someone. It is wrong. It is, it is evil to, to have adultery and and it is wrong to, to, to take someone else's wife, to take something that doesn't belong to you. It's moral law. And so these three different types of law, Jesus fulfills in, in different ways. Like we, we approach and we, we understand these in different ways. Jesus fulfills the requirements of the religious law. He fulfills the requirements. And that doesn't mean that law is abolished, but that means it's fulfilled. In terms of civil law, uh, there's things we can learn. There's things we can learn about God's character and what is important to God and what it means to be the people of God. But the certain situation that we might find ourselves is different. And so the requirements might not be there, but the intent is still important and still to be uh, understood and followed. And, of course, the moral law is universal, timeless, what is right and wrong in the world that God has created. So in terms of following the law, it's important to, to study and understand and to think this through. Now, in the rest of the year, uh, which will be broken up with different series, we are studying the book of Deuteronomy, like going deep, which is Deuteronomy literally means the second law. We're studying uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and hopefully like more... Of, well, be to understand this a bit better of what does it mean to follow God's law. I really look forward uh, to that series. One of the, um, uh, something I say so often that the, the young adults community made me a mug is that all roads in the Bible lead back to Deuteronomy and forward to Jesus, right? There's a quote for you that you can take uh, to your uh, Bible college lecturer when you go to Bible college. Um, but I'm really excited for uh, studying the book of Deuteronomy together. I think it's so important in understanding of the whole Bible, particularly the Old Testament, but really the whole Bible. Anyway, I shouldn't get distracted by that. We'll, we'll wait till then to preach on it. Um, but really, like, why do we have such a hard time following the law, obeying God's command, wrestling with these things? I feel we spend more time trying to justify why we shouldn't follow a law rather than asking why we should. And it comes back to the question is, what is our attitude towards biblical authority? Who, who has the authority over? Is it God and His Word or is it us that we get to decide what is right and wrong? What's, what's the interpretive lens that we view Scripture through? Our experience, our preferences, our situation, our challenges we're facing? Or is it the lens that this is God's Word that's fulfilled in Jesus and given to us to show us how to live and how we can have life? Again, this is, Harsh, but again, Jesus escalates this. Not only does our, our how we relate to the law determine our position in God's kingdom, but he says in verse 20, For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, surpasses so that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. So unless your righteousness is even better, even more than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Let me tell you about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were the religious elite. Uh, They were the group of people in in the first century in in the Jewish community that made laws upon laws upon laws so that they would follow every law to the letter. And they made extra laws on top of the laws, so that they wouldn't even get close to breaking God's law. And, and the 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 more the modern equivalent would be a, a Catholic monk or, or someone who just withdraws and is, and is, lives such a holy life and such a selfless life that no one could possibly attain that kind of of righteousness, that kind of behavior. Like what a not, not just what a sacrifice, but what a challenge. It's, what an impossible standard to live up to. And when Jesus says, your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees, is he talking, is he saying that our righteousness must be wider and more active? Or is he saying our righteousness should be deeper? And again, I, I've, Learning from, from John Stott, if you give me permission to dip into next week's sermon, what Jesus then moves on to is he, he unpacks the law and, and shows uh, some you know, six different uh, laws and a, a reinterpretation or a clarification of what they're really about. And, and he, there's this formula he follows. He says, you have heard it been said— But I say to you, interesting, he doesn't say you've read. He said you've heard it. So this is teaching that's been coming from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. What they say is you shall not murder. But what I say to you is even if you are angry against your brother or sister, you've, you've murdered them in your heart. Even if you say, uh, you fool, you'll be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus demonstrates that the adherence to the law is not so much what we do, but where's our heart at? He's not talking about a wider, more active righteousness. He's talking about a deeper righteousness, about our hearts, He's talking about a transformed heart. We cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we have a transformed heart, a righteousness that's greater than even the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And this is is what was prophesied in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 31 verse 33 says, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six to 27 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and put in a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my commandments and be careful to obey my rules. So what was promised throughout the prophets and throughout the Old Testament is that God would come and he would renew the hearts of his people. He would transform people so that they wouldn't be obliged to follow the law, but they would be excited to. And, and, and people, disciples of Jesus who've been transformed by his work, by his spirit, it no longer feel obliged and burdened and oppressed by the law, but we love the law because we love God and we've been made new and restored it comes back to who is the fulfillment of scripture who is the fulfillment of the law and prophets we you know to enter the kingdom of god we have to have a righteousness that surpasses even the pharisees and the teachers of the law but that righteousness doesn't come from us that righteousness comes from Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the law and kept the law to, to the most perfect standard. And yet he was punished. He was killed. He was crucified. Hung on a cross, bleeding, bruised, suffocating, dying a death and taking a punishment that we deserve, that our sin deserves and he rose again into new life giving us new life one uh, sorry two corinthians five says for our sake for our sake he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that us who are in sin might become his righteousness what a, a an amazing divine exchange our sin given to Christ and Christ's righteousness given to us so that our hearts are made new. And that's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for, that. that's what's happening on the young adults camp as they're confessing sin and, and praying and seeking God. It's renewed hearts, hearts that love God, that love His Word, who seek after and and, and desire to follow His ways no matter the cost. No matter the opposition, no matter the context, and a desire to seek him, to know him more, to understand who he is, to 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 embrace who we are in Jesus. That is the great story of the Bible that we need the full picture to to grapple with, to understand. The law and the prophets. Show us that we're a world that's torn apart, that's corrupt, that's broken. And it doesn't take long looking out in the world knowing that's very, very true. But it promises one who would come, who would bring salvation, who would bring forgiveness, who would bring new hearts, who would bring a new world that would, that would be perfect and restored and peaceful and fulfilled. And we see that in Jesus he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become his righteousness. It's in Jesus we are righteous. It's in Jesus we enter the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus we are blessed. It's in Jesus we understand all the complicated bits of the Bible. It takes a lot of work, but the, the interpretive lens we use to understand Scripture is Jesus, his teaching, his work, his identity. And that's why we have a commitment to studying God's word, all of God's word. We're hitting Deuteronomy. Like, I have not heard a sermon series in Deuteronomy before, and I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. (laughs) Yeah, come on. (laughs) But we have a commitment to that. Commitment to studying in small groups, studying for ourselves. And the heart, the heart of the message today is we've heard Jesus' uh, approach to the law. What's our approach to Scripture? Do, do we just want a convenient Bible that suits our needs? Or do we actually want the Word of God to have authority over our lives? to lead us into righteousness, to lead us in the ways that God has for us, to show us his salvation. Let's pray together and we'll continue worshiping. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, for all of the Bible, for the law and the prophets and the writings and for the New Testament, the gospels, the the, uh, acts and the historical books and the... Letters, the apocalypse, apocalyptic writing. Lord, we thank you for every letter, every dot, every stroke. We thank you for the work of Bible translators that actually have made it accessible to us, that we can read the Bible in our own language and understand it. And Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. Not only as Jesus fulfilled the Scriptures in its fullest, but He's also allowed us to understand it, that we have the Holy Spirit that teaches us and reminds us and directs us and reveals to us Your truth through Your Word. And Lord, we pray that that we as a church would have a commitment to the biblical authority of Scripture, that we would not uh, uh, step over it or decide for ourselves what is right and wrong and what to take and what to leave out, but we would submit ourselves to you and to your Word. And Lord, as we do that, we pray you would transform us, transform our hearts for where we struggle to keep your law. Whether by choice or not, Lord, transform our hearts. Give us a desire for you. Give us a desire for your word, for following in your ways. Give us a desire for your spirit to be transforming us. Give us a desire for for conviction of sin, that we might be forgiven and restored and renewed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you have done, for fulfilling the requirements of the law so that we don't have to, because God, there is no way that we could. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus.